I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think it just sort of as a joke to myself, I said, I, you know, why don't I do an all crowd work tour? And then I just said, yeah, why not follow through on that? Welcome to the fifth episode of Varvet International with me, Christopher Triumph. The voice you heard before that tune belongs to comedian Todd Barry, and I'll get back to him really soon. But first, let me tell you about Stutterheim raincoats. As the name suggests, they make fantastic garments to wear when it rains. And the quality is magic. I've worn mine for two or three years now, and it just looks better. Get yours in one of the 300 stores around the globe that carry Stutterheim or online at stutterheim.com. That's Swedish melancholy at its driest, as they say. Thanks, Stutterheim. Okay, man of the hour is Todd Barry, the American stand-up comedian who just now is around in California for shows and is also hitting several cities in Europe in October. So, what can I tell you about New York-born Todd Barry? Well, he's sort of a comedian's comedian in a good way. I know that Jerry Seinfeld uh, loves him and you can see their episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee online. And Todd Barry's good friend Louis C.K. not just casts Todd in his fantastic show Louis. And by the way, if you haven't seen Louis yet, you have to. Promise you'll do that right after this interview. Okay? Good. And Louis also produced Barry's uh, latest stand-up comedy movie, or a special as it's called in the business, The Crowd Work Tour. And this special is pretty amazing in its uh, simplicity. Todd tours the United States with no prepared material whatsoever. And this is pretty unusual for a stand-up comedian, if not even unheard of. And what he does instead is talking to the audience, i.e. crowd work. And me and Todd, we met in New York City on a sunny day for a chat. Roll the tape. I left my house about an hour ago and I got uh, some coffee, sat and had some coffee, then walked around looking for a place to eat and I found uh, a Thai restaurant on Grand Street that I'd never been to. Was it good? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It wasn't amazing, but it was good. I think we'll get back to your New York in a while. I'm just curious, what do you know about Sweden? I just know whatever I know from... I did a tour over there. I don't remember when it was, a few years ago, with Jens Lechman. He asked me to come over there and do a tour. So I did seven cities. Three of them I can remember the names of. It was, you know, I'm Gothenburg. I think I did two nights there. I did, I remember Malmo and Stockholm. Then there were four others that I can't remember the names of. One was like a college town, university town. Uppsala? Uppsala, yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. So how did you like Sweden? Was it in the summer? I don't even remember where it was, what season it was. It was about five years ago, six years ago, maybe. Yeah, I did like it. I mean, the uh, I mean, what Jens had explained to me goes is that a comedian opening for a musician was almost unheard of over there. So they seemed curious. I mean, they weren't. It wasn't quite the same reaction I would get here. I think there was a little more processing. Yeah, it was just a little more subdued, except in Malbo, which was pretty rowdy. Oh, uh, you mean that we are slow? No, 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 no. You know, I didn't mean that. I mean that uh, it's just uh, it's just more reserved. Yeah, that, that takes us into a somewhat uh, similar question that I have. I don't think that heckling has really got to Sweden. That's good. <laughs> Did you see some of it there? No, yeah. I mean, in that one show in Malmo, they were a lot rude, right? They were a little rowdy, but not, 
nothing that was uh, out of control. I think they just were a little drunk, drunker than the other audiences. Okay, yeah. But they, you know, the audiences were polite. I mean, even if they didn't always get my jokes, they uh, they were polite and they did laugh. It just wasn't. I don't think you know. It's, it wasn't a comedy show, so it wasn't. They weren't like. It's not like three comedians went up and got them all warmed up and into that groove for comedy, and then I went up there and whatever. Did you ever ask Jens if you couldn't do it the other way around that he would warm yeah. up for you? No, I mean maybe I, I don't know. You know. He's probably a bigger draw for me in the states, also. So I can't even ask him to do that here. But oh, he is. He's probably plays bigger places than I do, but maybe we're equal here, perhaps. But yeah, it was really fun though going over there. Did you know him beforehand? Someone had given him my first CD, and there was once a time where that someone asked me to open for him in New York, and for whatever reason I didn't do it or couldn't do it. And then I think he emailed me directly and said, "Would you want to come over to Sweden?" I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, yeah, he met me at the airport, even though he doesn't, he doesn't drive, which I thought was really sweet. He just kind of showed up, and then we got on a train. <laughs> but, yeah, I liked going over there. And then I took three days off in between some of the shows to go to, uh, I went to uh, Copenhagen. You hadn't been there? I hadn't been there. I was looking for a place because I had three days off, and Jens, is, Jens was going to put me up somewhere. And they, uh, I asked someone, where can I go? And they go, well, after Malmo, you're... 20 minutes on a train you can go to Copenhagen I was like there we go yeah that's where I'm going and did you like Copenhagen I did like it but it, you know it's uh I was alone and I didn't know anyone so which I'm used to on some level but I um yeah I thought it was beautiful and people were really nice and it's a nice quiet city I remember the bicyclists being really polite and doing the hand signals which you, rarely, you almost never see someone do hand signals even though I guess you're supposed to do that but in New York, no. Yeah, is there, yeah. Not that people are killing each other on the bikes here, but it's just a little more. It's very civilized over there. Do you have any idea what the deal is with Americans and their fascination for Sweden? I didn't know there was a fascination. No, maybe there isn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some people. But I mean, in cultural references, if somebody is to mention some funny place of the on Earth, Americans tend to choose sweden really i would say so maybe i'm just sensitive i think you might be a little sensitive i don't i never i never noticed that could you tell me about this boundaryless uh, thing incident in sweden god I, that, I don't do that joke anymore but i yeah the woman used the word boundaryless and I, was just, i just feel like if i was learning sweden that wouldn't have been the first word i would learn you know it seemed like you have a real seemed like you'd have to have a really intricate uh vocabulary that's not even the right word intricate but But I was just, I was like really impressed. Just because I was like, oh, I would never know the equivalent of that in Sweden. Okay. If I learned Swedish, I'm sure. But maybe I would. It's gränslös. Is it a common thing to say over there? No, I wouldn't say. Well, when it comes to describing personalities, I would say that it's... But how often do you do that? Yeah. Not too often. No. We were mentioning hecklers... Is there a Hitler capital of the world, would you say? Oh, I don't know. I mean, people say the UK has a lot of hecklers, but I, I found that even over there, they're not. I mean, you can do it. It just depends on where you work. I mean, some places encourage that or don't do anything about it. Don't like, you know, there's there's clubs where they go. If you heckle, you're going to get thrown out. So the, you'll find fewer hecklers there. But I don't know. I don't, I don't. I haven't noticed a place that's... It's usually the venue as opposed to a, a region or a city. So if it's just a place that attracts shitty people. But I was thinking uh, that you you did uh, on the uh, crowd work tour, you did Anchorage. I did Anchorage, yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking that maybe if people tend to drink more... Yeah, yeah, and they were definitely... In Anchorage, they weren't... I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that heckling. They, I just... They were more, uh, they weren't like mean-spirited hecklers. They were just a little, uh, they were a little boundaryless. There you go. <laughs> they just didn't quite go, uh, oh, there's a show going on. So, But they do drink a lot up there, and they're very uh, open about it. So that definitely changes things. Is that their thing almost? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to reduce them to just drinking. That's not really. <laughs> no, but I, I was thinking about that when I flew over Greenland on the way here. Uh-huh. 
it made me think about it and the old Seinfeld uh, joke about the, the knife and fork in the Chinese. You remember that joke, do you? No, well, I don't. That the Chinese they have they've seen the knife and fork, mm-hmm. but still they keep going with chopsticks. Right. And I was thinking about Greenland that they know that you can live other places, uh-huh. and still they choose to live on, on Greenland, which is like it's just snow and ice. I can't really rationalize why they. I guess wouldn't. it's just hard. So, I don't. Know, some people just don't ever think they can move. I think that's what it is. Maybe I'm racist now as well. No, I don't know if you're racist, but you just might hate people from Greenland. <laughs> hate is a really strong word. No, I don't think you hate them. I think you're just looking at their culture and going, well, I, I couldn't live there, so how could anyone else live there? But it's also fascinating because they they can't eat, like, you know, vegetables at all. Why's that? Well, they don't can't grow it. Oh, they don't? Do they get them shipped over there? Well, I guess they do nowadays, but uh, I mean, for several hundred years, they couldn't get it. So what I eat is like maybe a little bit of roots and uh, fish, of course, Mm -hmm. in different ways, uh, shapes and forms, and perhaps the occasional ice bear. Do they even have ice bears? You mean polar bear? Polar bear. Yeah. We have polar bears. I like ice bear, though. Yeah, it's called ice bear. Do they call them ice bears? Really? I love that. Oh, that's great. Well, that was everything I had on. On Greenland? Yeah. Okay. Well, I've been represented pretty well on this. <laughs> yeah. What are your current projects? I just finished Crowd Work Tour, which I build as my final one because I kind of want to move on from just uh, doing winging it, doing completely unscripted shows. But of course, if, you know, if I change my mind, I can change my mind. That's a good thing about crowd work. I mean, you don't have to throw the material away. Right, because so. there is no material. There's nothing to throw away. It's already garbage. No, it's... um, Yeah, so I just did my last two shows in New York. They were nice and sold out and big and, for me, big. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't really have a lot booked. Not gig-wise either? No, no. I mean, I have a lot of, like, New York sets that I can do, but... As far as touring, I don't know what I'm going to do. I wanted to go to this Lund Comedy Festival, but I think they're booked up. Uh-huh, okay. See, there we go, Sweden. And, but and does it bother you that you don't have a plan, really? It does a little bit. I, I think I got so focused on the current of the tour as it was in progress that I didn't go, oh, man, I should, I'm gonna, something's going to need to happen after this. But I will scramble and uh, book something else for later in the year. and I don't know. Go on vacation, maybe. Have you been on vacation? Almost never. I mean, that the two days in Copenhagen was like the most vacation I've had. Well, I've had a couple of them. I went to Barcelona for a few days. But it's it's almost always been uh, when I'm touring and then I squeeze it in like while I'm in the area. How come? Why haven't you like been to Aruba? <laughs> Aruba? No, I've never been to Aruba. How did you know I'd never been to Aruba? No, it was just a guess. Um, I haven't guess. been. It was a lucky guess. Just... Uh, I think I get too caught up in work, and then I. But I want to. I want to go to Mexico. I want to go to Asia. Haven't you been to Mexico either? I've never been to Mexico, and okay. it's right there, four yeah. hours away. I went to Guatemala though. That's a little bit more hardcore. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty intense. But the thing about Mexico, because I would love to go as well, but my wife, uh, she's really worried that we'll be killed. Yeah, I think there's some danger in Mexico, but I think plenty of people go over there without. I think you just got to be careful and do your research and uh, not get killed. I think most people don't get killed. Yeah. But still. I don't think you just want to blindly just go to Mexico without, you know, just go, hey, I'll just land there and we'll see what happens. No, no, maybe. I guess you've got this question a lot, but uh, how did you come up with the idea for the crowd work tour? Well, I'd always, uh, I'd always done a lot of crowd work, even when I was doing jokes. And I had a special out on Comedy Central over here. And I was kind of like, oh, I want to go on tour. And uh, can I repeat these jokes from the special? Because I don't have like a whole new hour. Because I don't write that fast. And I was like, what can I do? I'm going to feel self-conscious doing all these jokes. But I think it just sort of as a joke to myself, I said, you know, why don't I do an all crowd work tour? And then I just said, yeah, why not follow through on that? See what happens. Did you try it before you actually went on a tour? 
I never try doing an entire. Sh- I mean, I probably have done entire shows, or at least entire like fifteen minute sets where I don't do anything for my act. But I've never gone on tour. I never build a show as I'm doing all crowd work before. I kind of just dove in, and I did that one tour. Then I filmed the second tour, and I just finished the third tour. But you don't want to go on a fourth. I don't think so. I just I feel like I I just don't want that to be my legacy. I understand. I just don't want to be like, oh, he's a guy who didn't have jokes. I want him to <laughs> okay. be like, he's a guy who had jokes, tried not doing jokes for a few times. It was pretty cool, and now he's back to jokes. But then again, you never know. I mean, if someone, some festival said you want to do it, you know, if Montreal said you want to come to a show, a crowd work show, I'd probably say yes. I'm thinking about the crowd work thing. I'm interested what happens in your brain while doing crowd work. I don't know. I find myself more relaxed doing those shows than I do regular shows. I just am I'm looking around and hoping to talk to someone who's got something weird and um, trying to think. Like a woman the other night in New York, she she just having a regular conversation. Then she goes, "Oh well, I don't I don't have a belly button." I was like, "Oh, well, that's I didn't expect you to say that." And then she explains the way she was born and the, like her organs were on the outside and there was no. Umbil- umbilical cord and I was like wow you really don't have a belly button like I thought maybe she meant she had like a receding one or a flat one or a, not a receding one but just not much of one but she truly had no belly button. I didn't ask her to show it or anything but but you just you want stuff like that where there's a kind of a weirdness how would you go about if you would crowd work me crowd you <laughs> I would say what's your deal what's going on with you well I'm just doing an interview sir okay well then I wouldn't I probably wouldn't do I'd say, oh, we probably shouldn't do this then. You're okay. doing an interview during my show, so let's, one of us has to quit. Yeah. How do you get to actually master? Because it is a art form almost of itself, the crowd work. I don't know, because there, there are comedians who, are, who hate doing it. A lot of really good comedians hate doing it and never do it. Which ones? Oh, gosh. I think most of them. Like Louis C.K. doesn't do any crowd work. Chris Rock, Seinfeld really does. I mean, Seinfeld will take questions from the audience, I guess. But for the most part. And then there are comedians who do a lot of it. Is it frowned upon? I haven't had a lot of... I mean, I think some people think it's easy, but it's really, it's not any easier. It's not easy to do well. I mean... Exactly. Like, you could say jokes are easy if you just write a bunch of <laughs> shitty jokes. But, yeah, so I don't think it's easy. I don't, I'm not really frowned upon. I mean, most people thought who... The feedback I've gotten is that when I tell them I was doing it, I go, oh, that's really cool. It and is. I, I have to say that I'm really impressed, of course. Thank you. The thing is that, and maybe this is why we don't have hecklers in Sweden either, but since it's a kind of a new art form for us, people aren't very good at it in Sweden. So that's why it's been like frowned upon because of that, because the quality is kind of low. Oh, I think I think it's a good thing. to. Be, I mean, it sounds like just... It's courteous. It's listening, it's watching the show instead of trying to screw it up. It's also uh, interesting because I talked to one guy in Sweden, Mons Möller. He's sort of the only one who actually does crowd work well uh-huh. in Sweden. He told me that he had to practice for a really, really long time to get good at it. Has it been the same way for you? Has it been uh, like evolving? A little bit. Like the second tour, I found myself a little more comfortable and going, oh, this, this is actually pretty fun. And also, like the first tour, I had to figure out how to end the shows. And then at some point, I realized you just end the show. You just, there's no like big build up to your big finale because you don't know what your finale is going to be. So I usually just go, all right, we're going to, I sort of hint that we're going to wrap things up soon. And then I get a if I get a big laugh, which hopefully I do on something, then I just go good night. And then, but I did, the shows have been way longer than my normal stand-up shows, just because it it just eats up more time too. How long did you go for? Some nights I went like hour and forty-five minutes, which is insane amount of time to watch a comedian. But towards you know the last few tours, last tour, I tried to just keep it to like hour fifteen. Hour seemed too short. Because it just it wasn't like an hour of rapid fire jokes or anything. Not that it's ever rapid fire with me, but it was just easy to do. Like I would look at my watch or a clock on stage, and I'm like, "Oh wow, I've already done 45 minutes, and I can't. I'm not ready to walk off." So I'd about an hour and 15. 
when you were at one hour or one fifteen, you didn't feel like you had it, sort of, that you had to give it more time? I just felt like, I guess, it didn't feel like I was up there a long time, which is probably a good thing, but it just felt like I'd be cheating them a little bit. Because even when I did an hour and 45, on some of the shows, they were like, stay up there, which is part of the reason I stayed up there couple of the shows but at some point it's just like I, even if you want me to stay up here trust me you, you're going to be happy when this is over like, did you ever do encores 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 yeah a couple of times i did encores and uh yeah vancouver i did an encore madison wisconsin did an encore you were born in the bronx yeah but you did grow up yeah in well after i was eight i moved I, i moved to florida when i was eight my father's company the entire company moved to florida so we all we went on down there and i lived there i don't know 15 16 years and that's where i started doing comedy what strikes me when i watch your special is that you seem to really really love your job yeah that's a good job yeah what made you say that though no one's Just, ever said that to me before that's why <laughs> You're doing one show. I'm not sure which city it is, but when the line is in front of the yeah. venue, it seems like you are so happy to see the audience. Yeah, I, I, that was Vancouver, and that that was I was happy to because I was like, normally I felt like they were lined up way earlier than they didn't kind of just zip in five seconds before the show starts. I was like, oh wow, there's a real line, and yeah, so I was happy to see that. And also something else about it that when you walked through some of the venues it felt like well i'm not sure but it feels like you were put to earth to do this uh is that uh, thank you correct thank you correctly I, i hope that i think that's what people should do if they people should do what they were put on earth to do but uh thank you yeah that's a nice compliment but did it feel like that from the beginning back in florida no it didn't because i never ever planned on being a comedian never even thought about it till after college and then I did an open mic night just kind of I kind of got this little I got pulled towards it you know I would watch these open mic nights and at some point I just had that that little thing there you're like oh you gotta try this and I tried it and I didn't stop but I I wasn't committed to I mean I was committed in that I was doing it a lot but I wasn't like yeah I found what I'm doing because I I didn't want to do it really Oh, you didn't? No, I mean, I, I think I had fantasies of being a musician, but I wasn't really that good. So The drumming? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not good enough. And I didn't try hard enough. Did you get to drum with uh, James? Uh, no, I, you know, we talked about it, and I don't know why. I don't think I pushed hard enough, because he's one of the few musicians who I've worked with who didn't get forced to have me play a song with him <laughs> like I usually do. Does he live in Sweden now? I think he does live back in Sweden. He was living in Australia for yeah, a while. Exactly. But I think he lives back in Sweden now. Gothenburg. Yes. Yeah. Poor Boston. Oh, you don't like it? Let's skip to the next question. <laughs> no, I don't have anything against Gothenburg. It's nice. It's not your favorite, though. No, it's not my favorite. My favorite city would almost be Los Angeles, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. How do you like Los Angeles? I like Los Angeles. Yeah. Could uh, you live there? I could. I have a lot of friends out there. It's a hard city to be in, I think, if you don't know anyone. It's pretty... I can get really lonely out there. I was actually at uh, Sarah Silverman and Friends, and you were there. The, like, oh, yeah? In February. Oh, okay. So that sort of tells me that you guys are friends. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine. Otherwise, the title of the no, show it's just, would have You could been... get your money back. Yeah. <laughs> you can <get> <laughs> demand that you could sue, file a lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine. Mm. I think I could, I mean, I could live there if I got some great job out there that made me want to move out there, but, because New York, I love New York, but, it, you know, when you go to LA and it's so sunny and you're like, oh my God, they deal with, this is like 99% of the time it's like this. And New York's just such crap weather, but it's really fun in New York. Would you say that you, your comedy is more New York than Los Angeles or doesn't it No, nah, I don't think it matters. Because no. that's such... Yeah, I don't think the cultures are dramatically different. It's not like I'm going to say something and be like, oh, I don't get that, you know. Unless I do something that's really New York-specific, but for the most part. What would that be? Do you have New York-specific material? I mean, I mean, if I did, like, oh, God, I, I, I don't have anything really now. I'm sure I've said things in the past, but just... I mean, I used to do a joke about people moving to Brooklyn, but which I don't remember the joke. But that's not something I would necessarily just 
travel the world with the, you know, because it's more of a thing where people here would be like, oh yeah, a lot of people are moving to Brooklyn, but no one gives a shit in, in Los Angeles. But maybe they have like Silver Lake instead. I know. I could just I could change it up. I could plug in those cities if you want to do the hipster thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you you have been living in New York for the most of your life. Yeah. Now it has. Yeah. yeah we're at definitely. What do you love about it? I like being able to get to places without driving. There's food all the time. Lots of stuff to do here. You can wander. You can get lost. You can be alone without being uh, lonely. Yeah, I mean, you can be. You can still be lonely here. Trust me. But you, um, I don't. I just. I just. I like it here. I don't know. I don't. It's not the best answer I'm giving you at all. It's the worst answer. Do you even use this term? But what are your watering holes here? My watering holes? Yeah. Well, we use that term here. I mean, we don't use it a lot, but I know what you're talking about. There's various little little bars I go to. There's a... Around like the in Lower the East Lower side, East, side yeah. East Village. Yeah, there's a few. And restaurants that I go to over and over again. You know, I usually just wake up, get a coffee somewhere, sit, stare into space. Do you actually stare into space? Not maybe into I stare your into iPhone? My, I stare into my, yeah, probably stare into my phone a lot. But, it's not uh, actually a, an iPhone. No, it's, it's a Samsung. It's super cool. It looks uh, a little bit like a submarine yeah, or something. It's, it's a beauty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I stare into space. I, I mean stare into space, meaning I don't do anything overly productive. So I guess not literally. Sometimes actually staring into space. But no, I'm, it's not like who's that weirdo sitting there with that gaze. But don't you get restless? Yeah, I'm always restless. You don't catch me as super restless. I know, it's, it's all bottled up inside. <laughs> it is? Yeah, it's internal. It's internal um, agitation. Do you have a car? No, I don't. I know how to drive, though. I do, uh, I do miss driving, but here it would involve... Although they have these rental car places now, where, like Zipcar, where you can get a car, and it's just like down the street, and you just open it up and you're in. But just driving within New York City is kind of a... It's a bit of a nightmare. I mean, if you're restless, I guess it would get worse from driving. Yeah, I mean, unless you're on like the open road, five-lane highway, but, you know, driving, just going through the Holland Tunnel or something's a nightmare. How many gigs do you have, like, a regular month? 20 to 30, maybe. Maybe more sometimes. More than 30 every day? Yeah, I mean, there's times I've done, I'll do four sets in a night. Wow. There's guys who do more than that. I mean, I got a little fried on that. Because they're short sets and you can bounce around. Maybe you get two at one club, two at another club, one at a third club, and you just kind of run. And uh, But it's kind of hard to enjoy the sets when you're just constantly scrambling. Then you work a lot. Yeah, I do work a lot. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in New York, it's not, you're not getting like, you get kind of pocket money for the most part, unless you do a, a headlining show like I did the other night. So it's money to walk around with, but it's not like you're not going to pay your rent unless your rent is wonderfully cheap. But it's not because it's New York. So a tour for you is almost like you have to do that occasionally to get money? Yeah, and I, I like doing it also. Yeah, I think it's important to do. But it's not like you can quit your job and live off your enormous fortune? I mean, I could live for a while, but I don't know. I don't know the... I'd have to sit with a financial advisor to know whether, you know, I can't picture the person going, you can just stop working. And move You're to done Aruba. Working. Yeah, move to Aruba. There's probably places I can move and buy a house for $20,000 and then be bored, have is, a house. Is Florida still super cheap? I don't think it's as cheap as it was, you know, during the crash, but I, uh, it's probably it's cheaper than New York, yeah. You said in an interview that you used to do temp teaching. Yeah, substitute teaching. Do you consider a career after comedy? I haven't really thought of seriously like getting out of the business. You want me out of the business? Is that what you're saying? No, I just told you that I I, I think you should do this. Yeah, I'm I'm not quitting. Yeah, no, no. I, this is your task. This is what I was. This is what I've been sent from the heavens to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I'm happy that you do it, but I mean, I don't know. Do you sometimes dream about owning a coffee shop or starting I dream, a I mean, I do dream about like owning a restaurant or, a, or even a comedy club, but I just know that the actual, uh, what that actually involves would ruin my life. 
because you because you just can't. It's not. Yeah, you'd have to work eighteen hours a day and wonder if your bartender's stealing from you, which he probably is, and then things like that. In terms of the uh, comedy clubs in New York, which ones do you preferably gig at? Comedy Cellar is a really great one. Have yeah. you been there? Yes. It's quite a good one. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. There's a place called The Stand on 19th and 3rd Avenue that's good. There's a little place called Eastville that I go to. It's in East Village. I like that. And I did shows like it's not a full-time comedy place, but the other night I did this place, The Bell House, which is in Brooklyn, which is like a music venue, but they do a lot of comedy. And that's always really good. Yeah, that that's... Uh, where else is there? There's, there's others that I'm probably... There's Caroline's Gotham Comedy Club. You can have good times at all these places. If you do four gigs a night, will there be nights where all four are great? There's nights where there's... I've had it where... The, I mean, I remember one particular night, I think I did five a night on Friday and Saturday. And the last ones were at 1 a.m. And they were both, like, terrible. Both nights led up to ending with just terrible, awful shows. So you just go home angry and you're like... Yeah, that, I mean, that's the problem. The thing is... If you're only getting sort of not a huge amount of money, each one you do, you get paid for that one. So you kind of stack them up because it's kind of like, what else am I going to do? But yeah, it's hard to really have like the breathing room to, and it's even hard to just to get like work done to be like, all right, on the first set, I'm going to do this, these jokes. On the second set, I mean, I guess you could, but it's a lot easier to just go, all right, well, I just did that. So let's just do that again. And then oftentimes you'll have a moment where you're not sure whether you were told a joke twice And then you're kind of, did I start telling this one? And they're like, no. And then you just look like a someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And sometimes you have actually just told that joke. or I've sort of, uh, I haven't, I don't think I've done that, but I've started to mix like one joke sort of starts the same as the other one. And I sort of like started one joke and then plug this other part in that doesn't, makes no sense because it's the second half of a different joke. You don't make set lists ever. Sometimes I do, yeah. I don't bring them on stage, but I... I organize things. Yeah, if I'm if I was like hired to go headline and tell jokes now, I would make a set list. Yeah, just so I could have I would have some structure, which I can always, you know, dance around a little bit. How old is your oldest material that you still do? Oh gosh, I have a few things that I do that are maybe a couple of couple three years old. For you know, I find that uh, you know you got to give as much new stuff as possible, but. Oftentimes you think, oh, I shouldn't do this joke because they've heard it. And then you do it and it gets the loudest laugh because it's like they really haven't heard it. Even if your specials run 50 times, there's still a lot of people who didn't see it. But you should always, of course, keep writing. But I don't want to be like focusing too much on like, I just I have a new hour now. I have another new hour because I just I want it to be good. I don't want it to be just like new. For some reason in the Swedish comedians community when louis ck started saying that he he threw all the material or when when we understood that in sweden yeah it became like a super big thing among comedians it's it's kind of it's you hear i think he did definitely i mean i know george carlin used to do that i mean he's not the only louis not the first guy but i think the one of the most recent guys to just consciously go i'm gonna write this hour and the tour with it throw it out and then start over and so you hear a lot of like you'll see people on tweeting about their shows like i'm not gonna do one joke i did last time and it's like okay but you're not that impressed with that work i i am impressed if you uh no i'm impressed if you can pull it off and you know i think louis pulls it off but i think that if you're going out there with like a watered down new hour what's the point just to say it's new yeah but i mean the hard thing is i guess before you go on tour to make sure it actually works yeah What's the name of that British comedian with... Eddie Izzard? Thank you. I saw him in Sweden. He was doing like an arena, maybe 15, 20,000 people. Uh-huh. And he tried out material. It felt so strange to me to yeah. actually not be having done the homework, sort of. Did he tell... Did he announce that he was doing the material? Or? No, but it was very obvious. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess if you're that comfortable in front of 20,000 people it's just like me going up in front of 40 people or something yeah I I would be uh, yeah, I can't even I, when I think about just performing for 15,000 people I just I get terrified what is your biggest crowd so far I've done some shows I think probably like 5,000 like opening for someone I did a show at Central Park there's like 4,000 people there that's big it is big yeah it is big 
Was it in daylight? Could you see people? The Central Park, yeah. I think when I was on, it was daylight, so yeah. you could see them. I, I, yeah, I, I get less nervous when I can see them. Yeah, you talk about that. Yeah, yeah. every podcast I talk yeah. about them. Yeah, I, I like to see them. During the years that you've been doing stand-up comedy, in the beginning, did you even get paid? Yeah, I mean, because I started in Florida, and at least especially when I started in the 80s, when it was really huge, comedy was just, you know, they call it the comedy boom. If you got laughs, they just needed people to fill these, because it was just like comedy night at six different bars, and there was full-time comedy clubs all over, you know, there's Tuesday through Sunday rooms. So it was fairly easy to get some sort of money fairly soon. I mean, it wasn't huge money, but... But still, I mean, now in New York, you could do a set and make it fifteen or twenty dollars, thirty dollars at your level. Still, yeah, I mean, because the the clubs here, like they call them showcase clubs, but and everyone gets the same thing, unless it's like Caroline's and you're headlining or Gotham and you're headlining. But then, then that's just all. That's all like just negotiated. But if you're just doing a set at the Comedy Cellar or or you know Stand Up New York or something, it's pretty much a fixed rate. Comedy Cellar is like thirty bucks. Yeah, that's for a, a, a midweek for for the week. Are you the worrying kind? Do you have worries? Of course, who's not the worrying kind? What do you worry about? <laughs> I don't know. Getting sick. The uh, germophobia thing. A little of that, but just you know, that's like I'm old now, so you're fifty. I'm fifty years old. I know. I don't look it. Thank you. But no. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh, were you? Yeah. No, that's good. I would believe you. Said I don't think I look fifty either. I would say that we're roughly the same age. Are you fit? You're not fifty, right? No, but we look the same. I'm forty. You're forty. Yeah. We both look great. Is what you're saying. Thank you. Yes. I handled that well, right? Yeah. I guess I worry about yeah getting sick, getting disease, other stuff that's uncomfortable to talk about. But uh, you're not worried about the world. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. I just feel like that kind of stuff. I. I have no control over. So you shut it out? I don't shut it out. No, it's not like I'm not like I don't ever read the paper or anything. But uh, I don't. I'm not like an activist. But you do read the paper. I read or I watch the news. Yeah. Do you have dreams? Yeah. You mean like career dreams or yes. life dreams? Or yeah. Yeah. Life I'd, dreams. I'd like to uh, see Aruba. I'd like to see Aruba. You, I think you're going to get me to go down there. Yeah. Drilling in my head. I'm actually sponsored. By I was going to say, yeah. I think that this is all a, a ruse. Yeah, I mean, I want to see some of the world that I haven't seen. But you must have seen much of the world. I've seen more than some people, but not as much as other people. Have like, you seen all 50 states? No, but I, I, there's like four states I haven't done a show in. Which ones? Hawaii, Kansas, South Dakota, Wyoming. There might be a fifth one. New Mexico, so there's five. Okay. I don't think there's a sixth one. But, yeah, so 45 states and several Canadian provinces. London, Scotland, Sweden, Norway, the Netherlands, Australia. But you haven't been to Asia at all? No. Have you? Yeah, I've been to Asia, of course. I'm Swedish. Like 10 years ago, everybody went to Thailand. Yeah, and I know. I'd love it, too. Yeah. Nowadays, everybody goes to Hollywood. Or Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah, so Los Angeles, because I never thought of Los Angeles as a tourist place, but of course it is. When you go to Hollywood Boulevard, you go, oh, this is all tourists. But I never thought that, I just never really imagined like people, someone in Stockholm going, let's, let's, honey, let's buy some tickets to Los Angeles. No, but that happens all the time. But at the same time, yeah. it's probably a fun trip. Yeah, it is. People love the U.S. when they come here, don't they? Yeah, we do. Okay. The fascination that I thought that you guys perhaps had for Sweden, we definitely have it for America. So, I mean, we're super influenced by American culture in general, of course. We have so much uh, American television. Yeah. You do get sort of uh, spoiled being from the States because I could go to Sweden and they their English is great. My Swedish is non-existent. You know what I mean? Except for Gränslös. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That's the one word that I <laughs> will remember. Yeah. No, I already don't know. I already forgot. Yeah. I know that you tend to avoid like uh, personal jokes and uh-huh. has there been a time where you did that and you started just not doing it or how has it evolved? 
I've never said I'm not doing personal jokes. I just have not. I mean, I, I did. I've done some. They, that germophobia joke that I did that you may, I think you've heard because you referenced it, but that's sort of personal. I mean, it's not like talking about a life-changing event or something. It's not, but it is revealing. I mean, it is revealing something about myself. But as long as I just want to be funny, I don't. I don't. I'm not up there to for therapy. I don't think. When did you do a sex joke last time? Way back, I had a. a, a I've had a couple of sex jokes, and I mean, you know, there's. If I think of another sex, I'm not. A, it's not like I've said I'm not going to do sex jokes, but I just haven't thought of one lately. How does your material evolve? Is it all on stage or? Yeah, I mean, I, I keep thinking, I keep saying, and I that I want to, you know, do a little homework and just sit in the coffee shop and just bat an idea around for an hour. But I don't do a lot of that, and then I tend to just kind of go, "All right, I have an idea, just talk it out." But I'd probably be better to do both. But I'm not the most disciplined. I mean, my jokes are pretty; they're pretty tight. But it's not like a, the path to get there is not necessarily smooth and disciplined. So it can take a really, really long time for you to perfect. Yeah, I could take tell a joke for months, and it's just like always. There's something's missing where you're like, all right, this is an idea, but it ain't. It's not something where I'm going. This one's ready. And there's been times even on some of my albums where I did stuff that was just because I felt like I didn't have enough time. Where I was like, maybe I could have put another month into this one before I put it on an album but you just feel like I was a little I, I kind of I don't feel good about that one but that's super frustrating or yeah I did I mean that that happens a lot where you you record something and then even something that's pretty good then you just think of like one little switch and then you're like oh god this is, I wish I could redo that do you keep like repeating something that doesn't really work and then just throw it away in Um, like frustration over there's not? that's kind of a bad habit where you're kind of like i'm gonna keep repeating this until this audience understands that it's funny the way i wrote it even though 20 audiences in a row haven't laughed at it <laughs> and then sometimes you just go okay i gotta sometimes i throw stuff away sometimes i'll remember something and that i threw away and try to take another stab at it but i mean i have stuff that i've been working on for You know, not diligently, but working on for... I've had ideas I've had for 10 years that I've never gotten off the ground. And you still won't release them or bury well, I them? Just, I just don't. I won't bury them. I mean, there, I think there are things that are like... Some jokes come out easier and then you're like, boom, boom, boom. And then, and then I mean, it's just like, I guess, writing songs or, or something like that, where some, sure, sometimes I, you hear a songwriter go, I wrote that in 10 minutes. But you probably didn't write all your songs in 10 minutes unless your songs are terrible. But there's probably things where if I just was forced or forced myself to sit in a room and go, by the end of the day, you have to turn this into something. that I could. It would definitely be better than when I started. When we talk about your uh, goals and dreams, would you like to have a sh like a sitcom or a show? I'd like to be part of I mean, I just always want to do stuff that's good. I don't want to be like, if I wanted to just be on a TV show, I would have moved to Los Angeles 20 years ago, I think. Not that there's not really good people out there, but I just feel like there's it'd be a lot of more like just funny, smart ass guy on the sitcom. I just don't want to be. I just don't want to feel dirty. I just don't want to be like, oh, I just I'm getting this paycheck and I'm saying this these terrible lines. So not at any price. You wouldn't do it at any cost, sort of. I just yeah. I mean, I don't. I've done like guest starring roles on things, and I and uh, you know I've done a bunch of episodes of Louie, but I, you know I like that show. You were fantastic in the season opening. Uh, fantastic. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Were you in town, or did you watch it in Sweden? I watched it in Sweden, L legally. <laughs> oh, you bet you torrented it. No. <laughs> it airs the same day in, in Sweden. No, I didn't. It does here in the States. I'm not going to rat you out. But it was fantastic. But no idea for something similar? I mean, I've, I've, pitched, I've pitched ideas yeah? that have not been... I mean, I, I sold it. I, I sold an idea to HBO once, and they uh, bought it. And we wrote a script. Me and this friend of mine, and went all the way to the top. And then the last person said, eh -eh. "Okay." But that's part of the deal because they're not like it's not like they're going to go. We're going to get three people to write scripts, and then we're going to make three shows. They're like we're going to get whatever fifty people to write a script. 
and then four of them. Then they kind of just go, all right, well, this guy's it's all male cast on this one. We can't shouldn't, you can't just have all these men in every show. And then you know, there's different things to. This one's really dark. Maybe we need something lighter. How long was this ago? This was a few years ago. Okay, but it, it that was a. Uh, I mean, I'm always smart enough to know that something's not gonna that I never assume something's gonna happen until it's happening. But that was one of those times where I was like, oh man, this is my, I'm having a show on HBO. This is gonna and then. But you know, got me to join the Writers Guild. I, you know, I'm in the Writers Union, so I get free movies now. Okay, would you agree when I say that you have a stage voice? I think I do. Yeah, I, it's it's not something I ever wanted, or I'm even glad that I have. But you are correct about that. I don't have it when I'm doing crowd work, though. I think I have it once I've rehearsed something. Because sometimes I listen to myself and I'm I'm mortified. Not just being modest but I just uh, sometimes I listen I go I can't imagine anyone sitting through this I mean it's not that I don't think I'm funny I do think I'm funny but just sometimes you, I, I mean also most people don't like listening to themselves to be fair to me most people I don't know a lot of people are like oh I just can't wait to listen to my last album I'm gonna crank it up and listen to myself tell jokes that I've told 9,000 times so But there's times where I hear my voice and it just sounds very like like it's got a little style to it that I I don't know. Was it different like 20 years ago or it's probably different. I mean I have tapes that I should look at. I mean I could look at some VHS tapes from way back. But uh I mean I'm sure it was different on some level. I love your voice. It's uh, oh, thank it's you. good. Thank you. It would have been interesting to see you before puberty. Before puberty. Yeah, I don't have any recordings on me of my voice before puberty. I usually carry them around, but today I forgot them. <laughs> okay, maybe you can spring I, them to uh, me. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah. I can. Uh, Is that a word here? I can. We transfer them or yeah, thank Dropbox you. them. Yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> no, but were you high pitched before oh, puberty? Oh, gosh, I have no idea what I sounded like. Would you consider like giving it another go with the like the Todd Barry show? Another TV show? Yeah. Yeah, if I think of something. I mean, I might think But of you, something. But you don't have any ideas? I don't have any, like, really specific ideas. I've had ideas. I've tried to get ideas on the air. I've pitched ideas that where they're crying in the meeting room because they're laughing so hard. And then they're like, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. I'm crying, but we can't do that. Like it's too weird or something. Yeah, maybe the timing is perfect now. I know. I got a little. Uh, I got a little heat on me. I wish you the best of luck. Also, um, last question: Would you like to recommend something? I just saw a good movie called Lock. L O C K E. It's about a guy who uh, he has to make a big life decision the day before he um, as he's a construction like a concrete foreman or something like, and they made a huge construction site. And he has this personal life decision he has to deal with. And he's in his car going to deal with it. And the whole movie is him in his car talking to people on the phone about this. It sounds it might not sound good based on that, but it was it was great. I, I saw it the other day. Lock, L-O-C-K-E. Cool. I know you weren't expecting that, right? No, I wasn't. I thought I was going to recommend my, one of my albums or something. No, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. Maybe I can recommend if uh, any of the listeners haven't seen the Crowdwork Tour. Oh, yeah, tour. the Crowdwork Tour, yeah. yeah. Buy it on... LewisCK.net or yeah. com. He's got them both. That's and it's five US dollars. I don't know what that works out to. And 35 kroner. Yeah? Ish. So it's cheap though, right? It's fantastic. I remember when I sold my CDs in, in Sweden, like I, I must have undersold myself because everyone was, oh, only... Okay, and then all I was thinking about was like how much extra money I could have made. How, I sold them for ten each. Ten crowns. Yeah, yeah, that's very cheap. Is it really? That's a dollar twenty. I asked someone. I don't think I would have sold them for a dollar. Then maybe I didn't sell them for ten. But I, I knew I sold them for a little cheaper than I should have. Yeah, okay. I wish I remembered the amount because I don't think if it was a dollar twenty, then I. I'm sure I did some currency conversion so it wouldn't come out a dollar twenty. But uh, I think I found whatever the equivalent to ten U.S. dollars was. But anyway. Also, last question: Who would you like me to interview here? Oh my God! I don't know. Sarah would be good. She'd be fun to interview. I can't get I can't get you interviewed with her. 
I think I've got her email address though. I'll tell her you said that I, I should. No, I don't know who. I, I just I don't know who. I don't want to force her to do an interview now that she's. No, she's she does super way busy. More. She is very busy. Yeah. yeah, she's got more interviews than I do. Uh, do you know? Uh, you know who's funny? Have you ever seen Andy Kindler? Yeah. LA comic. He's yeah. really funny. Yeah, he's a good guy to talk to. Okay, there's probably others. But he'll be really thrilled that I, I singled him out. Well, I guess after I said Sarah, so that's two. I doubled him out. That's fantastic. Thank you so All much. All right, thanks for having me. That's Todd Barry, folks, and I really recommend his special, uh, The Crowd Work Tour, and that's available on louisck.net. See that and go catch uh, Todd on a stage uh, somewhere. I know that I'll go see him in Stockholm in October. And you can also follow him on Twitter. That's Todd Barry, double D and double R. And um, by the way, why don't you follow Varvetpod as well? That's Varvetpod both on Instagram and on Twitter. And send us an email, pod at varvetpod.com. I'm Christopher Triumph, and uh, producer is Christina Jolling-Biro, uh, editor Louisa Olson, and theme song producer Maria Marcus. And this episode of Varvet International is sponsored by Stutterheim. That's S-T-U-T-T-E-R-H-E-I-M.com. Uh, go check that out, and I'll talk to you in a week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.